Hey everyone, Josh here. Just quickly wanted to tell you that in week 11, our instant reaction show is going to be a little different. Instead of this really open-ended game recap style, which I actually think is kind of difficult with two people, I suggested, because Hayden crushes all these, I suggested that maybe we do a 10 snap conclusions. Same thing as instant reactions, right? We're still gonna watch eight games intently, focus on four apiece. But again, instead of like the ambiguous game recaps that doesn't give me, honestly, the same structure as our Tuesday and, and Thursday shows, something that allowed me to like paint between the lines. So that'll be in week 11. And maybe you can understand why here in the week 10 instant reaction. And don't worry, we're still streaming live on YouTube for that Sunday night show, 7.30 Eastern. Join us there, Underdog Fantasy, as well as Tuesdays and Thursdays. Thank you for the support. It's been on my mind for a few weeks. I think we have a good grasp of how we can improve me, how I can improve moving forward. Okay, enjoy the show. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. We are here. Double digits, week 10, now in the books. We learned a lot here on Sunday. Continue to see some players emerge, some offenses round into form, some teams getting better, and some getting worse. How are you? How are you instantly feeling in this moment? I feel pretty neutral. I feel like this a lot of blowouts. There's a couple of good games. It felt like a normal NFL Sunday. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad you bring the energy here today. Just before Thanksgiving. And as we all know, once Thanksgiving strikes, things continue to get into playoff mode. And some teams are getting there in this moment. And Hayden, is it okay if I lead off here? Yeah. Because one of those teams, as we know, you wait until October. You wait until November. And this is the time, despite having a very new roster and a very new quarterback, for the New England Patriots to assert their dominance and their power and their structure on a team that in many ways has tried to replicate them, like in, in the Cleveland Browns, winning 45-7 to seven here. You could not get more different at the quarterback position. First, I want to start off with the Patriots and Mac Jones. Total, 19 of 23 198 yards and three touchdowns. In fact, his three his first three touchdown game in the NFL. And while it's only 23 passing attempts, so much of it happened early on, and he was such a major difference. Third and eight conversion, third and six conversion, third and 13 conversion, all in the same drive in the Patriots' first drive of the season or of the game to match the Browns on the scoreboard, seven to seven. Then he's another third and five drive. He was seven for seven on third downs to start this game. And so while you'll see... You know, Ramondre get 100 yards. Brandon Bolden gets 70 total yards in this game. Mac Jones right now, Hayden, uh, to go along with the Patriots defense rounding into form and shutting down this Browns offense that was without Nick Chubb is kind of the genesis of why this team is starting to hit their stride and only going to get better as the season goes along. I think they're going to be riding the wild card mix. And as a reminder for Mac Jones, his target – leaders were Ramondre Stevenson, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, and Nelson Aguilar. So to me, it's just, what is he going to get in 2022? Cause I want to see like fully unleashed Mac Jones. It seems like the like last couple of weeks, they've given him a little bit more on his plate, but it's still a pretty limited offense uh, down the field because they're playmakers, but within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage behind this offensive line, they can win in 
two different ways with some quick hitting passes or just running it down your throat. How did the offensive line look in general here? Awesome. And, you know, they shifted things around with Michael and Winwoo and obviously Trent Brown coming back here at right tackle. That was then moved around to start this game at times because Trent Brown was obviously coming back from that calf injury. But when you have Miles Garrett on one end, Jadavion Clowney on the other end, the two Maliks on the interior, you know, Malik McDowell might have made like one play. Miles Garrett might have made one play, but for a very large portion of this game, Isaiah Wynn did an awesome job. In fact, I think the only sack that Miles Garrett had was supposed to be a quick release pass. And Isaiah Wynn chopped him at the line, cut him at the line, and he got up, made an athletic play, and and converted it. But other than that, this team is so in phase and so in rhythm. And early on, it was very much okay. Josh McDaniels scripting plays, putting this, I mean, this is going to be at the top of the resume, I think, from this season. We've had some really good Josh McDaniels performances. And there were some scripted plays in the middle of the field, but there were also some where Mac Jones was just able to fit passes. And I'm going to pull one up here in a moment when you're talking down the middle, down the seam, splitting safety, splitting defensive backs. And while I think in the last two weeks haven't been his best moments and earlier on was now as an entire unit, once again, they're getting healthier and they're getting better. And this, again, is as a Browns team, Hayden, that we we talked about it, was also getting healthier and getting better defensively. And then they run into this buzzsaw, which we didn't think that the Patriots could be as an offensive juggernaut. And they absolutely were. And that isn't even getting to, you know, how Ramondre Stevenson looked in the lead ball carrier role. Was Ramondre early downs and then Brandon Bolden kind of traditional third down back? That's what it looks like it was in the box score. And then the second question I have for you is, was this Ramondre performance enough to kind of take more of a percentage of the backfield touches when Damian Harris comes back. It was a concussion that was out for Damian Harris. I'm guessing he'll be back next week. And then all of a sudden you're going to be in a three back committee again. Is that what's, what's going to be coming down our throats again? So I, I can't really point to one singular play that Ramondre Stevenson, that was like shock and all that we've seen in previous weeks. It was a lot of just grinding and a lot of wiggle. And then there were some toss plays in the open field that Josh McDaniels manufactured space that then for a big back, he glides down the field. And yes, I, I was questioning this and we did this, you know, in the start sit show to start Sunday that, well, if Ramondre didn't practice all week and we've seen him make mistakes, could he be trusted immediately? And he absolutely was. In fact, Brandon Bolden might have one touch here or there, but as soon as that happened, he exited the lineup. And then Ramondre, like you said, ending the day with 23, 20 carries for 100 yards and two scores, both, you know, five to 10 yard near the end zone. Um, and then another four catches for 14 yards. Who knows how this backfield turns out, Hayden? Because again, we, we've seen Damian Harris trusted at every single turn, despite maybe in other situations he might not be. But potentially they were waiting for a performance like this from Ramondre, or they just continue while it might frustrate us, but continue to be awesome with both of those ball carriers as like battering Rams and trains. Cause both of them can do that. I would guess it's going to be a three back committee, but the good news is the Patriots are far and away number one in expected half PPR points to their running backs. So this is one of a few backfields that is capable of handling two fantasy contributors probably just flex plays if all three are active and playing together Uh, but definitely something to be monitoring Ramondre has looked 
good in flashes, has looked really bad in flashes, but seems like somebody that's going to be a post buy rookie bump person. And the Patriots are going into week 11, uh, six and four, and they're going to be probably right in the mix for the playoffs. So I don't, I, th- yeah. I don't think that the, this Ramondre st- uh, Stevenson story is going away quite yet. One, one final note on Mac Jones. I'm showing this touchdown to Kendrick Bourne down the seam again, splitting the safety and the corner. Uh, this was at the end of a 99 yard drive, 99 yard drive. And then right before halftime, this obviously puts them up, I believe 21 to seven right before halftime, they get the ball. Second and 11, Mac gets up there. First play out of the two-minute warning. Changes the line, changes the play, and boom, a 13-yard gain on the ground. So he's in rhythm. Now, who's not as Baker Mayfield? Again, it's about a – I'll pull it up here. On their first scoring drive of the game, 84 yards. And then almost for the rest of the half, it's about 36 total yards this team puts out there. Um, again, you score on your first drive immediately the Patriots answer right after that, an awful, a brutal Baker Mayfield interception sets up a short Demondre or Ramondre Stevenson touchdown. And then there were just never any moments once you're down 14 to seven, 21 to seven that you thought Baker Mayfield was going to give this team the ability to crawl out of the hole. And while we like this defense and the pieces that they have, while we like the offensive line, while we like Dearness Johnson, while we like Nick Chubb, we know, Hayden, we've seen it many, many times. Once you get to the playoffs, your quarterback has to make a difference or else you have to play a perfect game. And, you know, sometimes we see those teams make it to the Super Bowl, make it deep, but it's that pivotal moment where they have to put the team on their back and, and crawl out of a deficit and absolutely no way does Baker Mayfield belong in that conversation right now? And it might be his injury. It might just be him as a talent. It might be the combination of it at the moment, but he's nowhere close to it. Yeah, he had a pathetic first half here, and then he leaves with a sounds like a, a knee injury. We don't know the severity of it yet, but Case Keenum came in there and did Case Keenum things. Looking at the box score, Dearness Johnson leads the team with eight targets here. Yeah. Uh, he's the only person with over 30 receiving yards. This team could use like a number one X receiver, maybe somebody with a little bit of explosiveness down the field. Like, I just don't know how this team's going to operate if there's nobody to threaten vertically, you know? Yeah, I hear. Maybe they'll trade for one from like the New York area after this year. Maybe maybe that's the potential. Uh, Dearness looked great, though. I mean, there was one cut that, you know, was patient towards the middle, then just skipped over two gaps and continued to, to split the defense. But Again, there's only so much, and especially the the, the Patriots' defensive line and, and pass rushers. The backup right tackle for the Browns had played admirably for weeks and weeks, and then today he was he was spotlighted and uh, couldn't hold up. But Baker, at the end of it, it's all on him. I'm so sad. I mean, Dearness Johnson gets 19 carries, eight targets. Like this could have been the full Chubb. Like this would have been an absolute enormous game. Nick Chubb should be back. Uh, next week, but if this is how they're going to operate, where it's just going to be uh, one of these running backs operating as a checkdown guy because they don't have that many guys to throw the ball to, uh, Nick Chubb's going to be going off through the bye week. Yeah. And this game was over with two minutes left in the third quarter. The Browns went for it on fourth and nineteen, and then once they didn't convert that, you know, the whole entire fourth quarter basically didn't exist. Okay, so we start off there in the AFC North with the Patriots destroying the Cleveland Browns. Where do you want to take it to next? Hey? Let's go Cowboys-Falcons. This will be pretty quick. This was an absolute blowout. Big thing was last week's poor performance by Dak Prescott and the Cowboys 
was the outlier week. This is the standard. We had Dak Prescott uh, had 296 yards, two touchdowns. Tony Pollard looked good. Uh, Zeke Elliott had a bunch of goal line carries. He converted two of them for touchdowns. He had a two-point conversion. He had a bad fumble. Um, Tony Pollard looked more explosive, but this is like the typical thing. Like Zeke Elliott's going to have plenty of touchdown equity. He's going to catch a couple passes. And uh, the other final notes I had was Michael Gallup came out there on the broadcast immediately. They said he's going to be about 25, 30 snaps. That's what it kind of seemed like he was trending. Uh, Because this game was a blowout, I didn't see him very often in the second half. He had one toe-tap catch at the two-yard line. Impressive play by Michael Gallup. He also got open but dropped the ball and passes a little bit behind him. But overall, exits the game healthy. He's definitely locked into three wide receiver sets moving forward. I'm sure they were just easing him back in here. But CeeDee Lamb explosive. Amari Cooper made a couple plays. Gallup looks good. Um, Zeke Elliott looks good. This is just a juggernaut offense. And then Trayvon Diggs comes in with the interception to kind of ice this thing. Yeah, in, in some ways we predicted this to happen because typically when a offense like the Cowboys gets shut down like they were last week against the Broncos, people want to assume like, oh, it's been figured out. There's a blueprint. We watched that game and it was just a bunch of third and one, third and four, third and seven conversions that didn't happen that typically Dak Prescott would. And then while that Broncos defense by no means are world beaters, the Falcons are a bottom of the league unit, bottom, oh, yeah. league, bottom five. And so maybe not 43 to three is what we expected here. But at least once things got going, once the momentum got going, like you said, 296 and two scores from Dak Prescott. Zeke gets in the end zone twice, only 14 carries for him for 41 yards. Um, AJ Terrell has been a really good player. I'm assuming Hayden, he saw probably the most time on the outside with Amari Cooper. And that might be why Amari just went four for four for 51 in comparison to everyone else. Yeah, they're just like not room for everybody to eat. Somebody's going to have a, a couple slower games. Um, I thought on the other side of the ball for the Falcons, there was certainly big news. Cordero Patterson in the first half, I think, exits with a high ankle sprain. They try to tape him up and get him out there, but this game became such a blowout in the second half. They were either choosing not to play him or he was injured enough where they were not going to play him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave Mike Davis a, a little bit of run, but he had a brutal brutal drop on third and two. I mean, I'm so sick and tired of this. Then they bring in Wayne Gallman to just basically run out the clock. I will not be surprised if Wayne Gallman and Mike Davis flip-flop after this game. This was just another really bad game from Mike Davis. They couldn't move the ball at all. This wasn't Mike Davis's fault by any mean. Uh, they had a corner on Kyle Pitt sometimes. Uh, they tried to get him going as like an inline guy, and I'm kind of wondering if that's going to be something that they do so corners aren't all on top of him. Um, but there's just like, they need Calvin Ridley back. They just, there's not a lot of function and Matt Ryan made a couple throws where it was, uh, uh, a little bit behind a player for an interception and it was just over before you knew it. There was even a, a blocked punt for a touchdown. Like this was a game where they just burned the tape and they're going to go on to next week. Got it. Yeah. So I guess. Wayne Gallman goes from irrelevant to irrelevant if he's going to take on Mike Davis's role as well. Yeah, that that Mike Davis role gets you about four fantasy points per week. So make sure to rush out and get Wayne Gallman. We will and need we, to track Cordell Patterson though, because if, if there is no CPAT, that's like huge because they have nobody Massive. explosive on their team. No, it's just Russell Kyle Gage Pitts being explosive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I'm, I'm with you. And Russell Gage, we talked about in the starts that show, he had a pick em line of about 54 receiving yards and he goes up and gets a goose egg up there. So go, go and join us every single Sunday morning. Okay. So we go from one offense, like we talked about with Dallas that 
there have been questions about. So one in the Buffalo Bills, Hayden, that there have been questions about for weeks at this point, especially for barely putting up any points against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. So they go to the New York Jets and dominate 45 to 17. Josh Allen, 21 of 28, 366, two scores and an interception. I'll get to the running back usage in just a moment. But first, I want to focus on Stefan Diggs um, because Stefan Diggs is also a player, Hayden, that we knew was going in the first round. There have been consistency, but not a ceiling necessarily. And we got back to that ceiling moment today of 13 targets, eight receptions, 162 yards, and one score. So I think part of that conversation you can put on the New York Jets and facing them. We know one of the least talented defensive back and cornerback groups in the NFL. But I also believe that we started to see a little bit more of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in terms of like their special connection. Like early on, it was a double move to the outside that the the Jets corner broke on. And then over the top, it was a nice pass to a more wide open player. And then we get Stefan Diggs able to keep the corner in his back hip inside the red zone as an end zone target. That's like beautiful box out technique that we know Stefan has these skills, not just as a separator, but also in these contested moments. I'm going to pull up his next-gen chart right here, Hayden, but just from the eye test, along with Gabriel Davis, it felt more and more like Josh Allen was willing to go down the field, test vertically, and I think that that is a little bit, other than just to Emmanuel Sanders, what we've seen missing here for Josh Allen in the last few weeks. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks, he's faced a lot of cover two defense. And this is like the same too high stuff that the Chiefs were going with. And it was actually uh, stunting the Bills a little bit. So I'm curious. The Jets, historically under Salah, are not a two-shell uh, team. So I'm curious to watch this game, see what happened. But they yeah. de- they were missing on a lot of these deep throws coming into this week. But by, as you can tell, I mean, when you throw for 366 yards, obviously you're, com- you're completing those. Um, I saw after the game – uh, Cole Beasley only was on the field for about nine snaps. He came in with a rib injury. I haven't seen any tweets about this, but that would be pretty weird um, to have Gabe Davis over Cole Beasley since they don't even play the same position. But this is also a game where Dawson Knox returned. It's a blowout yeah. win. So I don't know. I'm guessing we're going to learn something from press conferences, but that is definitely a concern for Cole Beasley. I think part of it was that this game was basically just three quarters. They're up 38 to three, even less than that, obviously. Um, Dawson Knox coming back, as you alluded to, we've seen him diminish Colby's role. Colby's came in with that rib injury and Gabriel Davis. I think they truly wanted to go down the field and we've seen Emmanuel Sanders be targeted deep. We've seen Gabriel Davis be targeted deep and we see Dawson Knox be targeted deep. In fact, I mean, nine of his 21 completions for Josh Allen today went 15 plus yards. That's a first for this year. That's, you know, some 2020 goodness from Josh Allen. And so hopefully that that continues to rumble. I do want to bring up these backfields, though, because on the Bills end, we know that Zach Moss came in, cleared concussion protocol. We all expected, we all expected Devin Singletary to lead this backfield in touches, and he didn't carry. Seven carries, 43 yards and a score, just one target as well. But then Matt Breida, you know, one of the more explosive athletes in the NFL at his position. We've seen him with San Francisco. He did absolutely nothing in Miami under the radar signing this summer in Buffalo has barely gotten any work. Well, Matt Breda, three catches, 22 yards and a score. 
another three carries for 28 yards and a score. It's kind of a monster inside the red zone. I don't see how this is sustainable at all. It was just kind of the two plays that he got in those areas of the field. He was able to get to the outside. One was a wheel route to the outside, and one was just he was able to, to break off tackle. So great for this moment, but I don't think that this is going to be a split backfield with Matt Breida involved moving forward unless they were really, really captivated by his performance today. Yeah, I'm looking at the box scores right now, the play-by-play, and he was rotating in pretty early in the game. Yep. It was that like first it was drive, like, I think. It wasn't garbage. This wasn't just strictly garbage, no, it was, time, right? No, it was it was the first drive. He got the first touchdown, I believe. And I mean, Zach Moss did come in really late and got one goal line plunge for a score. Um I would be stunned if Zach Moss is relegated to third on this depth chart. Now we did open, you know, week one. And saw him as the player who was inactive. So, so who knows? I, I've, I don't want to read too much into this, but I have thought that Matt Breed is does add that explosivity. And if, if we keep using that word for this game, he's you know more speed, more juice than what Zach Moss brings to the table. But this is something that we're just going to have to track moving forward. Outside of this. Yeah, the Bills do not use their running backs like the Patriots do. Like this needs to be a distinguished leader to be yeah. playable. Like this is not a split backfield and then you like throw them into your flex. That's not how this is going to work. Jets. So Mike White gets a start. Mike White throws four interceptions, 250 yards. Michael Carter comes in, gets 16 carries for 39 yards and a irrelevant score. Six targets, but Hayden. While six targets looks nice and reads nice on a piece of paper, I want to mention that Ty Johnson came in and in early situations was the one who got eight targets, was the one that seemed to take some of that work. So while we know that Michael Carter is still the lead back, Ty Johnson was working in in passing situations. But overall, I mean, Mike White's going to get crushed. People are going to end his season right here, and I understand it. I'm not here to advocate for, for Mike White in this one game. I just want to continue to reiterate the point that the Buffalo Bills defense is the one that matters most across the league when talking about players against them, who they're facing. And this was a losing battle from the start from the Jets. And so, yes, it was a brutal game. But if Zach Wilson was playing, it would have been a brutal game. If almost any other quarterback in this scenario was feasible and playing in this moment, it would have it would have been a brutal game. So I'm not going to like crushed him for the rest of the way. And Robert Sala already came out and said that he's not going to say who's starting next week at this point. Yeah. It seems like another white guy lost to cancel culture and this one with four interceptions and no touchdowns. It's yeah. This could just be a situation where if Zach Wilson's healthy next week, he's going to be starting. Like I, that, I think it's as simple as that, but we don't know what Zach Wilson, his status is for next week. And I think that once Zach Wilson's back in the lineup, all of these underneath targets to the running backs are going to be cut in half. And like, yep. that's exactly what Mike white loves to do. So um, it, it does it, the good news. I am looking for Michael Carter that uh, Tevin Coleman's only, only saw four carries and he had Michael Carter at 16, but behind this offensive line, uh, it's just not going to be efficient. It's just going to be all receptions and he's not even the third down back. That's Ty Johnson. So um, yep. we'll see. I'm guessing that this like four week stretch for, 
Michael Carter is going to be the best we're going to get this season. Yeah. Uh, and the second that Zach Wilson's back, I would have to downgrade both of them. Right. And if Zach Wilson performs poorly, then it's not like they can just remove him from the lineup. Like once he's back oh. in there, they have to stick with him. Right. And he so needs to learn. Yeah. And we're, we're going to learn a lot about Zach Wilson. If he is like taking a step away, if he has learned to play within the structure of the offense, because that's what these running back receptions are for. And then just quickly, Elijah Moore got his late touchdown from Joe Flacco in garbage. Of course. Uh, Corey Davis does come back in there and leads the team with 93 yards. I think that he's the only one worth roster or maybe rostering is tough, but he's the only one I think that's going to be in the flex consideration, regardless of who's quarterback. So we've gone through three blowouts. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints. Titans at home, three point spread, two and a half. Stop a last minute Saints attempt for a two point conversion and win 23 to 21. Hayden, the scoreboard indicates how close this game was from start to finish. It was really close. And to be honest, the Titans just didn't look very good. They got very lucky in this game. We have the Saints missing two extra points, which obviously cost them at least an overtime run. Uh, there was a roughing the passer on an interception from Ryan Tannehill that should not have been a roughing the passer call that cost him not only the seven points because Ryan Tannehill came in a, like a couple plays later and scores a touchdown himself, but it also cost the saints the potential two minute drive to close out the half. Uh, there was also a saints fumble on the kick return to open the second half. The, the Titans go on to score seven points there. So all in all, all these points were coming off plays that quite frankly, weren't that earned. And since the Derrick Henry injury, the Titans are averaging 5.5 yards per drop back and 2.5 yards per carry. Now, big caveat is that it's against the Rams and the Saints, two top 10 defenses. But I haven't seen anything from this offense that is getting me going. All the running backs look bad again. And A.J. Brown is the only one in the pass game that has any explosiveness. So many of these plays it's just drag routes to tight ends. And you just see like two tight ends, like floating across the screen like this. And then one catches it and runs for five yards. And like, that's what the Titans offense is giving you. So yes, two wins without Derrick Henry. That's awesome. They're going to win the division, yeah. but like you have to have some concerns on the offense. Now the Titans defensive line showed up again. We talk about the Saints in a little bit, but there, there are some legit concerns with this, Titans offense, especially without Julio Jones and Derrick Henry. Yeah. Once again, I want to reiterate about these Tennessee Titans that somehow are forming into my Tennessee Titans that they were underdogs against the Bills, went 34 to 31. Can they do it against the Kansas City Chiefs? Beat them 27 to 3. Oh, but the Colts, we're going to make the Colts favorites since the Titans are on the road, beat them 34 to 31. Oh, don't have Derrick Henry against the Los Angeles Rams. How are they going to win? Win 28 to 16. And now against the Saints, just two and a half point favorites. They win by two and they're up 23 to 21. I say all that by giving respect to what they have done so far, getting to the record of eight and two. But Hayden, the difference from this week and moving forward was supposed to be Julio Jones being a part of this team. And like they made that trade for a reason to be more explosive in the passing game, to have a second option opposite A.J. Brown. And then Julio tweaks his hamstring on Friday and gets put in injury reserve for the next three weeks. Now, opposite A.J. Brown, who just had one catch for 16 yards on four targets. I'm sure he got the Mark Marshawn Lattimore treatment. Um, Marcus Johnson goes out there and gets six targets, five receptions, 100 yards. It always feels like 
there is this one random Tennessee Titan every single week that helps them achieve. You know, when it, it's been Ferkser in the past, it's been Janu Smith in the past. It's seen, it's been, you know, a bunch of others during his time. But we need some consistency here. And, or you're not getting it. Or Mike Vrabel is just like an insane tight game coach. And that's yeah. that's what's happening. And we know at some point that always, always regresses. Speaking of insane, the Titans running back rotation. Ready for this? The, the first drive, Deontay Foreman starts. Then it's an Adrian Peterson carry on second down. And then in comes Jeremy McNichols on third down. Then they punt it. So right. that's basically the rotation. And Deontay Foreman outcarried and outgained Adrian Peterson here. But the fact that they're using all three of them means that zero of them are in play. We need one of them to uh, separate from themselves. Adrian Peterson doesn't score a touchdown here, but he was always the goal line back. Jeremy McNichols, I think, is clearly the passing down back, but Deontay Foreman is in there for whatever reason, and I think it's going to make all three of these backs basically irrelevant outside of like crazy game scripts. Foreman looked nice, switching to number seven. We know that's a positive move for his career. He did get a 39-yard reception. I believe Jeremy McNichols also dropped one in the end zone, too. Yes. Such an identity change. Okay, so coming up from the Titans, it's the Texans next, Hayden. That's good. That's really good. Hopefully that's nine and two. Then after that's the Patriots. Patriots right after Thanksgiving is uh, is another defining, season-defining game for the Titans if we want to keep putting them on that pedestal. Okay, anything about the Saints? Because, again, Derrick Henry has so long been the Titans' identity. For the Saints, you could say that for Alvin Kamara. And... We knew from Nick Underhill all week long that Alvin Kamara was going to be doubtful. We know he sits out this game, and in his absence, you get Mark Ingram for 14 carries, 47 yards, and a score. Mark Ingram with seven targets, tied for the team lead, four receptions, and 61 yards. They look spry out there because the stats indicate he did. This was basically the Alvin Kamara role. There was one play or, or two plays, his best plays of the game. He had a pitch for a touchdown where he had to beat defenders around to the edge, a little cutback for a touchdown. And he had a one-on-one route from the backfield uh, running a wheel route where he had to show some speed. And that one goes for a 34-yard gain down the sideline. He was their best offensive player. Trevor Simeon looked okay. Um, I'm guessing that they're going to go back to him for another game, kind of just a distributor. But there's just no vertical elements to, to this team. And it's just Marcus Callaway made a good play in the end zone. Same thing with Traquan Smith. But neither of those guys are target dominators. They're not going to keep defensive coordinators up at night. Uh, so I think it's just going to be a very running back focus offense. And Nick Underhill uh, on New Orleans dot football wrote that he expects Alvin Kamara to come back next week. And that this was a one week injury. Um, so we're going to see this huge split between Kamara and Ingram where Ingram's probably a bench hold, but we, now we know he's one of the premier bench holds because this offense is going to be running through the running back regardless who it is. Yeah, two final thoughts. Trevor Simeon Loki has an incredible mullet going right now. I don't know if you saw that on the sideline. And then Sean Payton, I think this week or recently, maybe it was the offseason, but it was just reported this week, elected to leave the competition committee. Uh, I'm sure he loved getting that pass interference flag in the end zone. That was a huge shift, huge shift Oh yeah, in this game. So Big time. No comment from him from the from the press conference either. Okay. Uh, which game should we go to next? I want to talk about Hayden. The boys are back in town. The Carolina Panthers being the Arizona Cardinals 34 to 10. 
on the road. Look, this spread was 10 all week. Many people expected Kyler Murray to play. That obviously was not the case. It's a ankle sprain. Hopefully that means he comes back in their next contest. But Hayden, the major story here. Sure, P.J. Walker comes in 22 of 29, 167, gets the start. But on the first drive of the game, Colt McCoy, third and five, third and six, sacked in the back by Hassan Reddick, who just left the Arizona Cardinals. Panthers get the ball in prime, prime field goal position, or field position, I should say. Starts at the 15. Nice reception for Christian McCaffrey. Then he gets stuffed at the goal line, and who trots out there? None other than Cam Newton. Runs it in over Zayvon Collins, over Isaiah Simmons. And that short yardage role continued for Cam Newton immediately, just arriving on Thursday. There were times in second and short, third and short, between the 20s. And then also he threw another touchdown to to Robbie Anderson. Um, I would expect Cam Newton to start from here on out. I would expect him to continue this old school vintage Cam Newton goal line role, which sure will take some things away from Chris McCaffrey. But I think most importantly, Hayden, Chris McCaffrey, talk about vintage, 23 touches for 161 yards combined. And so much of that was in, in the first half, about 150 yards of that was in the first half. This offense is just going to be better. And so while that might take, again, some of those end zone opportunities away from him or away from DJ Moore, they're going to score more points. So as a whole, this elevates everyone out there. Yeah, Cam's going to be able to sustain drives in ways that Darnold couldn't. And more importantly, those 23 touches that you're talking about, 10 of them were targets, and he caught all 10 of those targets for 66 yards. Like, this is like the most vintage Christian McCaffrey, like, down week where he doesn't find the end zone, but he catches 10 passes and has over 150 yards. Um, So he's back to the number one overall player moving forward. I'm expecting Cam Newton to start week 11 onward. And more importantly, I just thought that I saw Cam Newton on a highlight where he's on the sideline during a, a break and who's leading the huddle. It's Cam Newton getting everybody uh, fired up. And I was just loving to see this. I love that I mean, Cam Newton took off his helmet and was screaming. I'm back. Like I'm all for this. I I'm buying into this. I think that this defense just needs a spark. They shut down the Cardinals, obviously a lot of backups on the Cardinals, but suddenly they're five and five. And that seventh spot in the NFC is wide open. Yep. I think the storyline, one of the storylines of the year is going to be Cam Newton's going to come in, lead this team into the playoffs. And it's going to be a uh, run focused Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton led offense with a good emerging defense. And I can't wait to see Joe Brady with a quarterback that could win in short yardage and could hopefully threaten a little bit more vertically now that Cam Newton's had uh, months and months to rest that shoulder. Yeah, it's. The Panthers defense set them up for success early on. I mentioned they started at the 15 because of that strip sack early. They stuffed Colt McCoy in a fourth and one attempt and James Conner in a third and one attempt on the next drive. So they got to start at the 42-yard line. They had another turnover or two later on in the game. We've seen this Panthers defense set Sam Darnold up early this season for success. And even when Sam Darnold wasn't playing well for success and the latter is probably one reason why they wanted to move away from him so much because he couldn't even put up points despite being in positive field position. Now you have a quarterback that can do it in multiple ways. And again, I am not here to tell you that Cam is going to go out there and be pure throwing the football like he was during his MVP campaign. But we now have seen, I mean, they tried to run screens. They did this actually awesome 
like fake read shovel power move at the goal line that handed off to Chuba Hubbard, but also had a pulling guard, which was the power and DJ Moore motioning in as well. These new added wrinkles that Joe Brady is going to come up with. I'm with you, Hayden. Like this makes one extra team interesting, intriguing, entertaining. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited that we get a whole extra layer onto this and it is wide open. Like you're saying, and they are five and five just gave the Arizona Cardinals their second loss of the season and coming up for the Panthers. It's Washington and it's Miami and it's Atlanta. All three of those are three winnable games, a legit chance to go eight and five, seven and six. And that absolutely puts you on track to make the wild card spot. And this is the reason why the Panthers made this move 100%. I think the Panthers would be a wild card team on, on the backs of Cam Newton. Can't wait for it. Robbie Anderson did get the end zone grab from Cam Newton. And then DJ Moore just wasn't, I mean, they were up 21 to nothing, you know, 23 to nothing, I should say. And so there wasn't a necessity to, to throw the ball quickly on the other end. I mean, this is the second straight start we saw with Colt McCoy. There was some success early on with Christian Kirk, uh, eight targets, seven receptions and 58 yards. Some of that downfield, some of it outside, some of it manufactured. Um, I mean, Rondale just gets four targets, two receptions and 10 yards like the lowest a dot across the league. And it's just not part of, it's not a, a startable player. He's again, just like the little extra when everything is going right. And just the game script almost eliminated James Conner from this game for 10 carries, 39 yards and score. But he did get home when the backup quarterback named Chris Streveler was in created player uh, with an 11 yard touchdown to uh to save this day. This is just a write-off game for the Arizona Cardinals, and hopefully Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are next. They will be back. That's what the the reports were saying, that they're playing the Seahawks next week, a game that actually matters for the division, and they'll be back next week, and we'll get James Conner RB once he's in that. Where are we going next, Hayden? Um, let's go to Chargers-Vikings. This game was very tight. Um, I want to start with the Vikings side first. Obviously, Dalvin Cook got going, has 94 Rushing yards in the touchdown is another one of those games where the Chargers defense was allowing uh, them just carries up the middle. Um, but the big thing for me was just Justin Jefferson coming out again with nine receptions, 143 yards, 11 targets. There were multiple sideline grabs where I'm talking about a player fully stretching out and then getting mm. his toes in, getting his ass in right next to the sideline for huge chunk gains. But it's not only that, there was a couple plays where he catches the ball. And we talked about this for a, very skinny receiver. This guy's hard to bring down. This guy fights for extra yards. And I think that he's the full package. And to be honest, I don't think that there's even three players better at the position than Justin Jefferson, like Devonte Adams, Tyree kill. And then Justin Jefferson for me, wow. I think he's like eclipsed like a bunch of these other fringe, uh, like top 10 players. I think that he's a legit game changing player. And when the Vikings have to pass the ball a little bit, he can go absolutely to the moon. He can win in all phases right now. I think that uh, on tape, he looks absolutely ridiculous. Why only 47 points in this game? Because at least on paper, and again, you know, the quarterback throws for two, Davin Cook gets in there for one, but on paper where the Chargers are successful in terms of throwing the football was the weakness for the Vikings. And then where the Chargers are poor on defense is the strength for the Vikings in terms of, of running the football. Was it just extended drives, long drives, no like 
math because I, I see you know the longest reception was 27 yards for Justin Jefferson. We've seen huge 40, 50 yard gains from this team as well. Yeah, it seemed like the Vikings held the ball forever and they had the ball for uh, 36 minutes. And that's a product of the Chargers defense allowing teams to run the ball. The Vikings historically have been a pretty slow paced team. There was also a couple of decisions where they decided to go for field goals on both sides of the ball here. And that the first three scoring plays were actually field goals. So that kind of takes away some of the ceiling. Um, but I think that the big thing was just the Chargers offense is just like, not fully there. And I think the last couple of games, they're just getting out coached. Now it's not hmm. necessarily Brandon Staley's fault. I think Brandon Staley is still doing a, a pretty good job overall. Um, he should have gone for it on this fourth and one near the goal line. But I think like Joe Lombardi needs to like get some other things going here. It just seems like it's just check downs to Keenan Allen right now. Keenan Allen had another great game, eight catches, 98 yards. You're not going to hear me complaining about that, but uh, it seems like everything is just, kind of being rushed for the chargers and a lot of these pressures are starting to act up and it's not just uh olays by the offensive linemen it's pressures that's confusing the offensive line hmm. and eventually getting to justin herbert so i don't know if this is justin herbert's fault if it's joe lombardi's fault or it's the offensive line's fault but whatever it is uh belichick um, the ravens and uh zimmer three high quality defensive-minded coaches have been giving this team some hell the last right. couple of weeks. Uh, Justin Herbert still is making beautiful passes. Mike Williams uh, dropped a pass at the freaking goal line that killed me. He got tackled at the goal line. Uh, Austin Eckler was making some plays. The pieces still look right to me, but the offense as a whole looks like it's just kind of stuck in the mud. Yeah, it's something that we talked about last week where this offensive line did incredible, only allowed six pressures to a really good Philadelphia Eagles pass rushing unit. And because of that, and that's the lowest you know figure since week one for the Chargers, Justin Herbert was able to be hyper efficient, like 33 of 36. And then this week, as you're saying, pressure, which this isn't you know the right side of the offensive line that the Chargers wanted to put out there from week one. Um, we've seen those numbers spike multiple weeks. And I think so much of it, then impacts him. And probably with that, you can't challenge for these super long passes. I mean, last week we got that 49 yarder to Mike Williams. And then today it's the longest reception is 26 yards to Keenan Allen, two yards short of a Benji Keenan Allen, 11 targets, eight receptions for 98 yards. Yeah. This Chargers team, while I mean, look, they started four and one, Hayden. Then it's been, you know, lost the Ravens, lost the Patriots, now lost the Vikings. Guess what? Coming up, you have the Steelers with their great defense. You have a great defensive mind in the Denver Broncos. I mean, these next two, it's odd because we thought that this off that this, this team was on such a great trajectory. And it can't just be like two pieces that right guard and right tackle that is, is kind of tanking it. I think it's, it's more that, than that. Right. I think it's that. Plus, and look, Brandon Say is very, very smart. But if you can't get up on the scoreboard, then teams are just going to be able to run on you and control the ball. And again, the the Vikings going out there and being able to put drives together of and and total plays together of seventy two plays compared to your fifty five that's a huge difference yeah. that's a huge difference yeah this is the wor worst stretch that we've seen from Justin Herbert by a mile these last four or five games so um, hopefully they figure out but I think I think it's probably going to be maybe where we're a, a little overrating just the offense hmm. in general but I mean I you still watch Justin Herbert you can see like where the ceiling is so I don't want to completely write them off but they they have some structural issues it's not just the offensive line or anything like that. Before we move on, everyone here, appreciate you being here. We have a show every Tuesday at 5.30. We have a show every Thursday 
at 5.30 here on this very YouTube channel, The Underdog Football Show. You can check us out in your podcast feed as well. The Tuesday, we look at usage, go through the narratives, top performers, and spot some breakouts along the way. And obviously, the Thursday is a game-by-game preview show. So thanks for being here. And subscribe. Smash that like button. Okay. Let's go to the Green Bay Packers shutting out the Seattle Seahawks. Two quarterbacks returning to the field under different circumstances. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers returns off covid Russell Wilson returns after doing apparently 19 hours of rehab every single day, like a total dweeb. And that results, Hayden, for Russell Wilson, 20 completions on 40 attempts. Those 40 attempts go for just 161 yards and two interceptions. DK Metcalf and Tyra Lockett combined for just 49 yards. Gerald Everett was the leading receiver with 63 yards. Um, His completed air yards per attempt for Russell Wilson were abysmal. This was typical bad Russ that when nothing was open down the field, drop his eyes, do the hokey pokey in the backfield. And then a negative play is, is bound to happen. It got so bad for this team that is now three and six. I want to bring that up for Seattle that DK Metcalf with about two minutes left gets in the face, holds the face mask of a defensive back and, and gets ejected. And then Tyra Lockett's receptions don't happen until really the, the the second half. So with no Chris Carson, who maybe is an underrated element, an explosive player out of this backfield, I'm not sure. Like We talked about it. Seattle's offense, even when Russ was out there earlier this season, the team as a whole had a lot of difficulties. And Russ going back in there and immediately not looking right, throwing a brutal end zone interception to Kevin King, this is only continuing their their bad streak. And with a player who, you know, released a list of teams he wanted to be traded to last offseason, this is not trending in the right direction for the rest of 2021. No, it's not. I don't think the Seahawks are like a legit contender. They're just kind of out there. They can get hot when Russell Wilson's finger is on straight. Um, but I thought the big story here is not the Seahawks. It's the Packers defense. And now, like, the last two months – They've held the Bengals to 22 points. Uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to 21 points. They held Patrick Mahomes to 13 points. And then this week, Russell Wilson, I'm probably having a rougher game because of his finger, to zero points. I believe it's the first game Russell Wilson has started and they got shut out. So um, this defense is all of a sudden very good over the last couple months. Uh, new defensive coordinator. They're expected to get Jair Alexander back as well. Uh, and I just think that it's just a very well executed defense and they're getting better linebacker play than we're used to. And their best corner is going to come back. David Bakhtiari is going to come back possibly next week. And all of a sudden the eight and two Packers are getting some of their best players back on both sides of the ball. So this team is very, very good. And I think that this was just a complete stomping of a legit Super Bowl contender versus a fake Super Bowl contender in the Seahawks. It is embarrassing to get shut out in the NFL in 2021. You can add Seattle to that list. Two, I'm with you. Now, a couple layers. Dean Lowry makes one absurd play every single week, put a Seahawks offensive lineman just completely on his butt straight to Russell Wilson today. Rashawn Gary left this game with what looked like an elbow or shoulder injury after making a play at the line of scrimmage, and it looked significant. Like he went straight to the locker room, took some time, talked to his family in the stands, and just kept walking. Um, And he has really emerged this season without Zadarius Smith, without Preston Smith. At times, um, we have yet to see, and I think this maybe can be an optimistic angle to it. Like you're saying, we've, we have yet to see this defense like totally on the same page. Like, 
hey, Darnell Savage pops up for plays here and there. Adrian Amos pops up with plays here and there. Kevin King today with an interception. So when you get Jared Alexander back as well, it, it definitely can be something that elevates them. And they needed it today. And I mean, they had three points through three quarters. And I mean, they should have you know made a field goal in the first quarter, but it was a mess and it was a 40 plus yarder. And it's also because Aaron didn't look right. And Seattle's defense also is a unit that can have its moments as well. But I also don't want to have an Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, A.J. Dillon combination, and then me want to rely on my defense to win games. Now, it's good that it popped up, but the team should always, always put up three touchdowns on the board. Yeah, I mean, it was one game back where Aaron Rodgers didn't, didn't practice all week. They'll be fine. They're, they're getting some pieces back. Uh, finally, we have MV, MVS back in the lineup. Devontae Adams is healthy. The big thing is what are they going to look like without – Aaron Jones, obviously so much of Aaron Jones production is through the air and it just gives him a lot of versatility, especially down the red area where we've seen time and time again, where Aaron Jones could leak out of the backfield. The pressure is going to be on to see what AJ Dillon can do as a receiver. Obviously he had that huge 50 yard gain here, but if Aaron Jones with this sprained MCL is going to miss three, four, five, six weeks, we'll learn more later. Um, it's going to be on AJ Dillon. Can he be a multi-dimensional back? We know what he can do between the tackles and right. run through everybody. And that adds a really nice dimension to Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I'm very curious to see what he's going to look like as a receiver. I'm not completely writing it off, but very infrequent. Do you see a 240 pound back looking very agile in space? Um, but I'm sure they're going to ask him to try to do that. And we'll see if like Kylan Hill or somebody else can kind of compliment him moving forward. Yeah, all of the between the tackle stuff, all the extended handoffs are definitely going to go to to AJ Dillon. Dare we use the LW words here, Hayden? Potential league winner here for oh, AJ yeah. Dillon the rest of the way because this is exactly why through weeks he only gets five to seven to nine touches. Why why he's you know still can be such an impact player throughout an entire season. But their screen game, the the, the receiving game, as you you mentioned, is such an extension of of their running game as well because it's an accurate quarterback in flow and in rhythm. And we saw that with Aaron Jones. I mean, it was a real injection to this team when Aaron Jones started, there was a full drive read about two or three chunk gains of 20, 30 yards. And then he goes out almost at like the end of a tackle at like 87 total yards, 85 total yards. And then, uh, yeah, is seen crying coming out of the blue tent. And as Schefter says, NCL injury. I mean, AJ Dillon, if he gets 20 carries, two receptions, anywhere is going to hover around 25 touches, 20 touches for the rest of the way for AJ Dillon. And while like, I, I don't even want to say straight line speed might not be a thing. Cause Hayden, he kind of has the Derrick Henry subtle, different way of moving oh, yeah. from everyone else. Cause he glides. He's such a big body mover. That I'm excited to – this is really going to be one of the only times we've ever seen him in this full, complete back from start to finish for multiple weeks, and we're going to get that here for the Green Bay Packers and A.J. Dillon. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. RB1. Who's it against? Vikings, Rams, Bears, Ravens, Browns over the next five weeks for the Packers as they go 8-2, and two, and they are first, I believe – in the NFC after the Cardinals lost because they have the head-to-head win over Arizona. All right, we've covered a whole bunch of games here. I believe there are a couple more in the 4 o'clock window, including the Philadelphia Eagles being the Denver Broncos. Hayden, 30-13. to 
He's our headline boy today. We've talked about it. Devontae Smith has been incredible this season as like an isolated player, creating separation. Last week for Devontae Smith, he went six for six and a touchdown. Today, Hayden, six targets, four receptions, 66 yards, and another two scores. So immediately in the first quarter, Dallas Goddard leaves with a concussion. And since that Zach Ertz trade, Dallas Goddard had a 29% target share. So that really opens things up for Devonta Smith, who today has a 26% target share in his own right. The big play, though, was that it was a out and up, a kind of wheel route. And it was against Patrick Sertain, who he'd had one-on-one battles with going back to Alabama. Uh, the rookie has been playing awesome. I mean, both rookies have been playing awesome going into this. And it was a play that, in theory, a 165-pound receiver should not be making a high-point play where Patrick Sertain's battling with the ball. He's able to uh, remain in control for a long touchdown. Then another touchdown just gets open uh, from the middle of the field, running away from defender. So a lot of the separation we've seen with Devonta Smith, but he's also kind of in that Justin Jefferson mold where a skinny receiver that shows plenty of toughness and this was like the big one of the best plays of the entire week. I think that the last three or four weeks, uh, Jalen Hurts, it hasn't like exactly um, led to as many fantasy points because he's not getting in garbage time. But Jalen Hurts is playing better just from the pocket. He's playing better. Devonta Smith is looking better. And they're getting the ball to Quez Watkins and Dallas Goddard more and less uh, often to players like Jalen Rager that don't really deserve the ball. So this was another team win from the Eagles. We pick up our underdog of the week, but it, this was definitely another huge win for Devonta Smith. Love that. Absolutely love that. And despite all the weight conversation during the draft process, if you ever went back and watched Devonta Smith at Alabama, he played long. He played oh, long. Yeah. And this was kind of the first time we've seen it on NFL field because he's been such a great you know, rookie at creating separation. We almost saw it against the 49ers, but like so many of those plays, the 49ers DBs got their hands on them. Um, I'm I'm so glad that we got to see it. We got to see it here today. So the, the backfield, by the way, complete mess. Uh Jordan Howard and Boston Scott both had 80 rushing yards, uh, but they each had 12 and 11 carries. Kenny Gainwell is a di- definitely a distant third option. Um, but unless you're playing with a huge lead, it's gonna be hard to kind of trust. Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders might be back next week anyways. Um, I think that it's basically going to be just Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard for, for the Eagles. But I mean, it's another game where like Jalen Hurts is making the case where he can at least be in the mix for somebody's franchise quarterback, whether it's the Eagles or if he gets traded in the offseason. But he's starting to string together some games, not just like fantasy uh, stat stuffing games, but actually like right. kind of taking control um, of the offense. Yeah, and I know that, look, you run the ball when you're leading and, and you're winning, but on some level, the balance of 23 pass attempts to 40 carries is exactly where this team wants to be. Now, 14 of those obviously were Jalen Hurts himself, not discounting that, but the shift that we've seen, and I'm excited on the Tuesday show to kind of, again, put it into focus and and see if this is now a real, real trend over a three-week sample of, of where the Eagles are at at this moment. Okay, and the Broncos end. Hayden, I know that everyone was kind of stuck with the ceiling and then the two tight ends actually had, you know, the two highest receiving totals and Albert O with a 64 yard grab to finish with 77 yards. Noah Fant went five for 59. Um, I kind of want to ask about that backfield if that's, that's okay, good. because 
Melvin Gordon got the goal line plunge, a role that we've loved and he's done great in all season long. Javante Williams, I think, had a touchdown called back. And so he almost had one of those opportunities as well. Yes, but it's still an even split. Like, what, what could you say? Like, every single time right. Javante Williams has a good run, then like Melvin Gordon also has, or Melvin Gordon also has a good run. Nine carries to eight carries, 48 yards to 45 yards. Melvin Gordon scores a touchdown. Javante Williams gets one called back. Melvin Gordon has a, a fumble that's actually returned 80 yards on Darius Slay, where Teddy Bridgewater has the opportunity to kind of chop at Darius Slay's legs to prevent the touchdown and chooses not to. I don't know what's up with that. But I think like this game can kind of be summed up with there's the li- limitations that Teddy Bridgewater has. We don't have to go over them. Everyone knows what they are. But for fantasy purposes, when you have the second slowest neutral pace offense, you have a quarterback that is very iffy and wants to kind of just go through his projections, not like in the good way where he's like going back to make a long throw on the opposite side of the field. But uh, concept one's not open. Then he checks the ball down. And all of a sudden you have uh, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, yeah. Cortland Sutton. None of them are really separating for, separating um, from one another. In fact, Cortland Sutton, since Jerry Judy's been back, two catches, one catch, two catch. Tim Patrick, five targets, six targets, five targets. And then Jerry Judy himself, 39 yards, 69 yards, 49 yards. It's just hard. It's it's Everyone's the same player in this offense, and there's not a lot of play volume to be had. So I think that we're going to be kind of stuck where we're always wanting to start one of these players, but it's just going to be tough. You're going to have to take a lot of low-volume games because this offense is just – the exact opposite for for fantasy purposes. No clear answers, not a high ceiling either. Those were the games that we focused on on Sunday. So now we go to games that we will watch throughout the week. We'll review them all, but let's ask some questions. And Hayden, the number one question on my mind is how the hell the Washington football team can beat the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers 29-19 to with the Bucs coming out of their bye week, I want to bring up his passing chart for Tom Brady because, again, it was a narrative entering the season. Hayden, not even a narrative. Like, it was truth. It was facts. That coming out of last year's bye was when Tom Brady and this Bucks offense realized what they had. They had all figured out. And since then, it's like over 320 passing yards, three touchdowns per game. Today, he throws two early interceptions. He actually, Hayden, if I'm putting this up correctly, Third lowest in intended air yards per attempt. PJ Walker was at 3.6. Jared Goff will get into a moment. It was 4.8. And Tom Brady's sitting right there at 5.1. Sure, was Chris Godwin banged up heading into this one? Yes. But Mike Evans was there. I mean, he was just terrified, it looks like, to throw 10-plus yards down the field against the 31st-ranked pass defense, according to DVOA and the Washington football team. I want to dig into why. Yeah, they just couldn't throw the ball in the press conference. That lasted, I think, like a minute, 40 seconds. Yeah, Tom Brady got out of there quick. He was very tilted. He said that they're playing a lot of uh, too high stuff, which is like the basically the narrative of the year. Apparently, we've played football for 70 years, and the answer to playing defense just put two safeties back there, and then all the best quarterbacks of all time just uh, shit, the, shit their pants. Um, so that's barely, apparently what happened today. You had Lennon Fournette uh, leading the team with nine targets, eight receptions. Crazy. And so we'll know. Um, on the other side of the ball, though, Montez Sweat was was out because of jaw injury. He's on injured reserve. It seems like Chase Young, they're worried about an ACL injury. Obviously, that would uh, take them out. But the Washington defense, they basically just kind of rush with four and play soft coverage behind them 
Well, it's going to be a little bit harder to do that if you're yeah. missing your two stud defensive ends. So it's something to watch for next week with Cam Newton coming in. But uh, certainly an impressive win in one of those games where welcome to the NFL. Uh, the best teams lose to some bad teams, especially on the road. Is a positive that even despite all of his missed practices, Chris Godwin got eight targets, seven receptions, and 57 yards. Uh, Taylor Heineke heard the haters, goes 26 of 32 for 256 and a score. Antonio Gibson is neck and neck with Khalil Herbert in terms of running backs that are successful, gets those two near goal line plunges. Um, that's great for him. And Terry McLaurin, you tweeted out this clip, Terry McLaurin with an unreal third and five catch directly over the middle of the field, hospital ball, direct contact to his shoulders as soon as he comes down with the football. And I mean, so clutch. I know he even left part of this game and only gets 59 yards, but man, a really important six catches, 59 yards. And I'm excited to see uh, maybe this. I mean, this defense is incredibly talented, but as you alluded to, Montez not anymore. And Chase Young, yeah, both being out. John Allen had, from all accounts and purposes, like an incredible game, but uh, it just hasn't come together for them. But it did in this moment. It did in this one moment. I mean, big story. I mean, we the big story for Washington, 24 carries for Antonio Gibson coming yeah. off the bot, like 24. So that's certainly good news. Um, we'll see what they say and how he shows up to practice next week. But the fact that he has 24 carries in him is certainly better than I think everybody was was willing to admit, including myself, obviously. Yeah, and it was supposed to be a negative game strip game. They were, you know, underdogs by nine and a half points. But Jaden McKissick closed the day, obviously, because they're up on the scoreboard throughout the entire thing with just six touches. That We'll get into this another time. But part of me always thinks about that when nominating these negative game script, bad offense players, because a certain script has to go in their way for them to be relevant. You know, they are not part of the positive game plan or the neutral game plan. It's all negative. And so that's always a concern that pops up with me and just something to consider with JD McKissick. Yeah. I mean, whenever you're other players like that moving. Yeah. Whenever you're starting JD McKissick, you know what you're signing up for, you know, but I, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. We've got some stuff to do. Tie against the Lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers, 16 to 16. We have to get to this game. We have to do it. Um, oh my goodness. I can't I it's so fitting that no one won here because we all lost. Uh Jared Goff, 114 passing yards. There was a period of time, just 11 passing yards throughout this game. But despite all of that, if you ask me which player, which running back was going to get 33 carries. I would have nominated Najee Harris. DeAndre Swift, 33 carries for 130 yards, adds on another three receptions for five yards. He was making some plays in the open field. TJ Watt left with a leg injury. But without Jamal Williams, I know that Jamar Jefferson went in there and got a 28-yard touchdown run as well, and he left with an injury, so it was all going to be on DeAndre Swift. But in the moment, he carried it, and that overtime period was absolutely insane, which was fumbles and failed fourth downs and punts on – on both sides that led us to this tie. My big thing, TJ Hawkinson, one target, zero receptions. What? How does that make any sense? Like this whole game is just absolute chaos. I saw the Deontay Johnson fumble in overtime. Uh, neither team wanted to win. Um, Najee Harris and DeAndre Swift just get all the touches. And turns out if you throw the ball to Ray Ray McLeod 12 times, the offense is going to go stagnant. So we'll see. Big Ben should be back next week. But I think Claypool's still a week or two away. So this is going to be the Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris show for at least the next week. Yes. Uh, and then on the other end, it wasn't any better. 
any better for Mason Rudolph for the Pittsburgh series. I was trying to find the tweet and I can't find it. So I'll just say it. Scott fish posts that every single Mason Rudolph pass is equivalent to a game of 500 or jackpot, depending on where you're from, because it's just lobbed up there and nothing can happen positively from it. Like there's no, you know, direction, there's no precision, there's no velocity behind any of it. And like when you get bad weather, when you get cold, when you get in a game environment like this, I cannot believe Mason Rudolph goes out there and throws 50 passing attempts for 242 yards. Enough at some already point, with this game. Yeah, at some point, you know, you got to look towards the future. And they have done a horrible job at it, the Pittsburgh Steelers have, in terms of uh, planning for the quarterback position. Okay, I think we have one more game left, Hayden. Let's round it out. With the Indianapolis Colts beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-17, to um, we get Jonathan Taylor 116 yards. We get Michael Pittman 71 yards. We get Carson Wentz only needing to throw for 180 yards. It was a valiant effort by the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end. But Hayden, the box score looks brutal. Trevor Lawrence, 16 to 35, 162. Jamal Agnew, the leading rusher, was 79 yards and a score. Dan Arnold, the leading receiver, was 67 yards. I think there's two conversations to have, and it's so difficult to evaluate a quarterback in this environment because it's so different than, like, let's say, Mac Jones with the New England Patriots. But a conversation needs to be had where is Trevor Lawrence helping those around him? Is it impossible to help those around him? Is he constantly dealing with pressure? And that's why the offense just isn't flowing at all. And is there any way that this team that has been, you know, put together and pieced together by this head coach, this general manager, this offensive coordinator, do we trust them at all to help him heading into year two? Because at least from what I saw of this and in previous weeks, lots of drops, lots of pressure, and there might be like three or four good play calls and good sequences for this Jaguars team. And that's just not enough to give your rookie quarterback a chance to be successful during your season. Yeah, the Jaguars franchise, just a complete disaster. I mean, every single part of it. I think the big thing for Trevor Lawrence is, one, he's not totally seeing the field all that well. And the big thing is he his two outside receivers can't win. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, Marvin Jones gets six targets. He catches two two of them. Uh, LaVisca Chenault has eight targets. They go for 15 yards. And the best player on offense it's Swagnew. There's no question. It's Swagnew all the way. He had that insane, I think it was a 66-yard uh, run. He is by far the fastest player on the team. And when Swagnew, who we love, is your best player, your team is going to be pretty bad. So yeah. I, I don't know what to do with Trevor Lawrence. I would like to see him get going as a dual-threat quarterback uh, more and more. He got 33 rushing yards. But Marvin Jones uh Laquan Treadwell, LaVisca Chenault, that ain't cutting it. That's just no. like bottom line. And if LaVisca Chenault doesn't go back to the slot, we can just kiss him goodbye. It's not going to happen. He's there was a one play I, I I saw one play in this game and it was LaVisca Chenault trying to win a go ball down the sideline and just like no separation. So, yeah. um we need we need LaVisca in that power slot role. It's not going to happen. It, it's it's going to be a major undertaking and facelift for this offense, this offseason, they're just going to try to add speed. Like Marvin's there for a couple of years, but we're going to get Travis Etienne back. They're going to go out there and like spin on another explosive player. And like they're going to have, I think, extra pieces even more than their starting lineup. And to me, that just pushes Visca away. 
pushes. Yeah. Well, Dan Arnold is kind of that slot player yep. that yep. is what they're looking for. And he's way more productive than LaVisca Schultz ever been. He had five catches for 67 yards. This guy's getting seven targets every single game. So I think that even though you're banking on negative game scripts, uh, Dan Arnold's like he's there outside of James Robinson, the best fantasy asset moving forward. Like the last four weeks, he's been a top 12 person. We'll learn in the fantasy usage model. I'm going to guess he's right like tight end nine or something in the fantasy right. usage model. Now, bring this full circle, like Trevor Lawrence does try to attempt passes down the field. We see that he he has a willingness like Philip Rivers, even in bad situations, to go and attack and, and be aggressive. And that can bring you back in a game like this and bring you back in other ones and have some tight games. Meanwhile, like if I compare that to Baker Mayfield today, Baker Mayfield had passes of eight plus yards. He was 0 for 7 with one interception. You know, like the individual physical talents are so different. And we know that Baker, despite what the scoreboard said today, Baker's in such a better position to succeed than, than what Trevor is in that. Like you look at two somewhat recent number one overall picks and the physical talents and just the style of quarterback play is not even comparable. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is bad right now, but there's a potential, a very clear path potential for him to be very good. And we've seen, uh, I mean, there's a certain second overall pick, where he's been bad and you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to get much better because of the physical traits. And I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to take some time, but it's going to take a lot of time with this regime and franchise. All right. That is going to do it for us. We're going to get over to Sunday night football. Thank you so much for everyone that tuned in either live or on the VOD. Truly appreciate you like and smash the subscribe button. Whenever, whenever you watch this, you can take it on the go with you as well. Just search for the underdog football show on any podcast platform. I can't wait. We'll see you all on Tuesday for the Fantasy Usage Show and the Fantasy Usage Blueprint. Model. There you go. The Fantasy Blueprint and the Fantasy Usage Model. Week 10. Week 10. Four. Hayden Winks, four One Rock, four Mr. Scampers for CT Blaze, and Brian and Macho. I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya.